conference recording started. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 640 Pacific Time, 740 Mountain Time, 840 Central Time, and 940 Eastern Time. Thrilled to have you along with us. For those of you that do not know who I am, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon. Welcoming you to the call. If you ever miss these calls, you can pick them up on an app called SoundCloud by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90. Or if you get your podcast through a different service by putting in Frank Lomas, TR90, or Solutions to Digicore Anti-Aging, it could well pop up. If you're listening to this and it's a podcast and you wish to catch it live, if you dial into 712-775-8972 and when it prompts for the code, put in 910022, we would be thrilled to have you along with us. As I said, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon, and this is the TR90 support call. When you're first starting out with that TR90 program, it's a good clean, lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. So 30 grams of protein, um, 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week, seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. Those will give you macronutrients, micronutrients, and fiber. That um, fiber is really good for digestive health, so the closer you can get it to what I like to call the source, the better because the fiber will be more intact, and we were talking about fiber both yesterday and on Friday, so do keep that in mind. That is part of the answer. Taking your supplement 15 to 20 minutes before a meal, if it's possible. If not, take them with your meals. They'll work. Um, it's just not quite as efficient and as effective as it would be if you could take it beforehand. So uh, with that being said, Seven to nine hours of good quality sleep at night, really important. Um, that helps your brain uh, clear out toxins, but it, your body does a whole bunch of system resets, saving memories and many other things. So it's really important for that, um, for your brain to do that. And as I said, that 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. and you can mix that up between uh, aerobic, weight-bearing, uh, keep switching it up periodically every four to six to eight weeks because your body will get used to doing something and then it gets too easy for it. So um, Mo Hagen always suggested switching up what your, what your exercise is. With that being said, today I'm sharing some information out of a book that's called Fat Chance, Eating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease, written by Robert H. Lustig, MD, MSL. And as I said yesterday and the day before, that fiber is half of the antidote. So we're going to find out a little bit more about fiber and insulin resistance today. And I welcome any thoughts or comments at the end of the call. I think it's off mute. So... Does dietary fiber consumption promote weight loss? Here's where the design of the study makes a big difference. If you keep caloric calorie intake constant, 
and the addition of fiber does not demonstrate significant effects on weight. However, in a free-range situation where people get choose how much they eat, higher fiber, dietary fiber, appears to limit total food intake, which likely results in decreased weight. High fiber foods tend to be less energy dense, so you are consuming fewer calories for the same quantity of food. Also, they often require more time to chew, giving your body more time to receive the satiety signal, and they move the food through the intestine faster, generating the satiety signal sooner. The role of dietary fiber in the prevention of metabolic disease is complicated by which kind of fiber you are talking about and what kind of study you are referring to. In the insulin resistance and atherosclerosis study, the IRAS, dietary analysis demonstrated only one item that correlated with insulin sensitivity, fiber. The soluble fiber content did not correlate with improvement in diabetes risk. For the most part, this improvement in insulin sensitivity was inferred by insoluble fiber, the stringy stuff. So there goes taking soluble fiber supplements such as psyllium. It looks like you have to get your fiber from the food itself, not from a pill. And there's only one way to get both soluble and insoluble fiber, the source. And the closer to its original form, the better. This concept of food being better than its components will come up again later. So what comes out is just as important as what goes in. It's very clear that fiber is a big deal, not just for your bowels, but for your metabolism. Fiber doesn't get absorbed. There's no blood level of fiber, as opposed to levels of micronutrients that improve your metabolic machinery. But by reducing both the dose and the rate of flux of glucose, fructose, and fatty acids entering your bloodstream, fiber keeps your insulin down by delivering nutrients to the large intestines to allow fermentation. Fiber improves the metabolic machinery and selects for the good bacteria, which help with energy loss from the colon. Finally, fiber limits the total food consumption, but it has to be eaten in the form of the whole intact food in order to get the full benefit. So you get both the soluble and the insoluble fiber. Fiber alone doesn't mitigate all of the negative effects of sugar, but it's a hell of a good start. Want to re reverse your diabetes? Want to improve your metabolic health? Put fiber back on so the other half of the exercise, is, or the other half of the antidote is exercise. And I did mention at the top of the hour that you should be doing about 30 minutes of moderate exercise. And you will probably be finding out why over the next um, over the rest of this week. So the vignette here is Britt is a depressed 13-year-old boy who weighs 230 pounds and is getting bad grades in part due to excessive screen time. His 15-year-old brother is 320 pounds and has no intention of altering his lifestyle. 
Brett sees the misery of his brother and uses him as a negative role model. Over the next few years, as puberty progresses, Brett starts wrestling in high school, practicing three to four hours a day. He slims down without appreciably altering the di- his diet and without shedding any pounds. He grows into his weight and places second in the state for his weight class. By 18, his depression has lifted, his academics have improved, and he is valedictorian of his high school class. So that's quite an interesting little side story here, which we will be referring back to. Jack Bullane passed away in December of 2011 at the ripe old age of 96. The quote-unquote father of modern exercise, he adopted a healthy lifestyle at the age of 15 and practiced what he preached until the day before his death. He had it right. Exercise is the key to optimal health. But not everyone benefits equally. Jim Fix, one of the pioneers of American runners and the author of the complete book of running, hit the bullet, bit the bullet at 52. Maybe Fix died for his first 35 years of bad lifestyle choices before he took up running. He smoked two packs a day and weighed 240 pounds. How about? Arthur Ashe, the premier tennis player, had a heart attack at the age of 36. Maybe exercise can't reverse a lifetime of indiscretion. Maybe genetic factors play a role. Or maybe exercise has different benefits for different pe- in different people. Either way, expecting that exercise will let you live longer is very different from expecting that exercise can help you lose weight. Elaine didn't gain a pound all those years on TV. That was because he ate properly. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing bad about exercise, although it may not provide all the effects that you expect. Exercise is the single best thing you can do for yourself. It's way more important than dieting and easier to do. Exercise works on so many levels except one, or weight. If a calorie is a calorie and one one ingested equals one burn, then exercise should cause weight loss. And doing a lot of exercise, even if you keep eating the same foods, should make you shed some serious poundage. But it doesn't. The calories you eat or drink may have a positive effect on your weight, but but the exercise or the energy you burn doesn't do the opposite. There is not one study that demonstrates that exercise alone causes significant weight loss. And a meta-analysis designed to assess significance over many studies at once proves it. Modern exercise resulted in a weight loss of 2.2 pounds and vigorous exercise in a loss of 3.5 pounds. Given our current obesity epidemic, that just ain't gonna cut it. it. As an example, a friend of mine decided to clear her post-baby muffin top by initiating a moderate to vigorous exercise program. Twelve weeks later, she was up five pounds. Felt better, but her muffin top hadn't changed. She asked me what she was doing wrong. Nothing, I told her. She was doing just fine and was likely much healthier than at the outset. Her waist would be smaller 
but the muffin top was got subcutaneous fat that she still had still pinched the inch. She got into her pre-pregnancy genes anyway. Burning a pound of fat liberates 2,500 calories. So it's always been assumed that you can lose one pound by eating 2,500 calories less or exercising 2,500 calories more. However, a recent scientific analysis shows the fallacy of exercise expecting increased energy expenditure to promote weight loss. As people lose lost weight, their energy intake had to drop even further to keep the weight loss going. On average, obese people had to eat 3,977 calories less to burn off one pound of fat. So you can see that trying to burn weight off with exercise is extremely difficult, if not downright impossible. A second reason the exercise doesn't cause weight loss is that when you exercise, you build muscle. That's good for your health, but that doesn't reduce your weight. If previously we mentioned chapters had anything to say, that's studying an event as complex as obesity means looking at the entire gamut of behaviors, because in the real world, none of them occur in isolation, and all of them are driven by biochemistry. Guaranteed, if you hold food intake constant, then institute vigorous exercise, some weight will loss will follow, but not much. That's why every exercise plan promotes good nutrition. That's why many weight loss programs will tell you that their food, sell you their food. It's the biochemistry that drives your behavior. Oh, you say to me, I know people who've joined the armed forces, they lost a lot of weight. Wrestlers do it all the time. NFL linemen show up in training camp overweight, out of shape, and by the end of the exhibition season, they're back at playing weight. This is the fact that perpetuates the myth. Everyone can lose weight if his or her environment is changed. Boot camp is scheduled in controlled environment. Every aspect of your daily regime, from food to exercise and sleep, is regulated. The trick is to change the behavior while you're in your routine environment. Don't set the ranch, as we learned. Behavior is a result of biochemistry, and biochemistry is a result of environment. Even the contestants on The Biggest Loser get the personal trainer, the chef, to control their environment. But in a free-range situation in which the general populace finds itself, energy intake will rise to meet energy expenditure to maintain the same level of adiposity. And in the majority of obese people, we know why. Leptin, again. And we'll be jumping into energy expenditure in a nutshell on Thursday. Tomorrow we'll have Frank up, and I'll be back Thursday and Friday. Hope you have a great day. I'm going to take us off mute so we can say goodbye to each other. At the top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook One Team Worldwide. One of our leaders will turn some information on how to build a new skin business or what's going on in the new skin world. With that being said, this is Susan Mann for February 7th, 2022, signing out. Conference unmuted.
So first thing is fiber. The second is exercise. But realize my personal experience when I first started with the TR90 program, I didn't lose an ounce. But I gained way more muscle in the process. So, and what muscle is smaller, more compact, and it's not as fluffy as fat. So I actually dropped 20 body inches. Just so you know that those scales, they don't give you the full picture unless you're getting an Omron scale and it gives you a clearer picture, but not an exact picture. If there's no other thoughts or comments, make sure to drink plenty of water, one ounce for every two pounds you weigh. And we will see you back here tomorrow, and Mr. Frank will be up. Have a great day, one and all.